On this episode of Twisted and Misunderstood, the paranormal podcast by Alison and Dominic Zenden. The curious case of Dr. Jonathan Reed. This man has an incredible story about his encounter with an alien being. So if you want to listen to more, please stay tuned. Hello, I'm Dominic Zenden, and in this podcast, we're going to explore the strange story of Dr. Jonathan Reed. Now, if you're interested in aliens and alien encounters and all the things that come with it, you will realize that there are lots of things that make no sense at all. I've come across so many different cases over my last 20 years of investigating UFO stories, and Quite honestly, the majority of them just do not stand up. They are copied or read or or people's imagination getting the better of them. The story about Dr. Jonathan Reed is slightly different. This is a man who had his own medical practice. He has a long list of accreditations within the medical fraternity to his credit and was going about his normal day-to-day life with no need to get involved with either media, public, or anything that was out of the ordinary. And what makes this stand out is his passion for what really happened. And when I was speaking with him yesterday, the story he told has never changed over the last 20, 23 years. So it's the same as it used to be as it is today. So he is a curious man. He is an interesting man. And he's a man that's actually got quite a story to tell. And this story starts one day when he was at home in California. And every now and again, he used to go up to the what they call the woods or the wilds or the hills in California to to run he he would just literally go through there he would take his backpack with survival blanket in a video camera in case he saw any wildlife a camera and alongside his dog he would actually go go jogging and he would do this every now and then just because it was something that he enjoyed to do is relaxation for him so on this day he drove up to the hills and parked his his jeep where he normally would, and got his dog out of the car, and they went off, and he started jogging, and the dog ran off in front of him, chasing normal things that a dog would chase. You know, there's raccoons and all sorts of animals in the woods. So he's actually running along, and he hears his dog whining and then barking really loud, and it sounds like the dog's gone in the pursuit of something. But the dog suddenly stops and starts yelping. So Dr. Reed grabs hold of a stick close by and goes to see what's happening with his dog. And as he turns the corner, there's his dog, which is a golden retriever Labrador, with his teeth around the arm of this little, what looked like just an animal. Not, not anything else. It was only a small creature. 
and the dog is going mental. It's trying to throw it around and and trying to trying to really do this 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 creature some harm. So the doctor sort sees this dog reacting like this, and then all of a sudden the creature grabs hold of the dog, and I'm sorry to say yanks its head off, kills the dog outright. Now, Dr. Reed is so angry that the fact that this has happened, he, he's really wound up by now, and he sees his beloved dog of seven years literally beheaded in front of him. He grabs hold of his club and runs towards the creature with full force and hits it as hard as he can around the head. Well, the creature falls back and literally is there on the ground. It's, it's skull exposed, as he says. It's, it's for, all, for all counts dead. And he's there in this awful situation where his dog is gone. This alien body, if you like to call it, is, is laid out in front of him. And he hasn't a clue what to do next. The adrenaline's pumping through his veins and he's and he's considering what the situation is that he's just encountered. See, nothing has prepared him for this and nothing is actually making him feel rational about anything. In fact, he's thinking what's just happened. How how and why has this happened in front of me? So in his mind, he's thinking, well, hang on, I'm going to have to do something here. I can't just leave this like this. So. He thinks, what What can he do? And he gets into his backpack. And he thinks, well, okay, people aren't going to believe me, so let's take some pictures. Let's take some video of this creature. And he takes some pictures and some videos. And he actually talks about taking over nine rolls of film. Now, before the days of digital cameras. So he's got these nine rolls of 36 captures film with him and he just takes the lot uses his video camera which he's got in his in his bag in case he encountered anything and takes more shots of this this creature and he thinks well hang on i can't just leave the creature here because it's going to get eaten by there's out animals out here there's mountain lions and sorts so how can i put him somewhere where he's not going to be eaten and not going to be exposed in that way. So what he does, he takes out his survival blanket from the back of his backpack and he wraps the alien body in this survival blanket looking for some rocks so he can actually just build a rock pile around it so nobody can get to the, to the body. Well, the rocks there are really hard into the ground and he can't disturb any rocks. So he's, he's at a quandary again. He's got the body wrapped up. And as he turns to look at where it is, he sees this small diamond-shaped, what he describes as an obelisk. Now, what he later comes to discover is the, the obelisk that he, he sees is almost like a, a dimensional time machine shift device he describes it he has photographs of it he even talks about it in the terms of where it actually is and how it relates to the things 
that this encounter has actually got. But he also knows that that has to be a part of this. It's like the, the aliens use this as a part of a machine to, to travel. And what he describes it as later is a dimensional shift machine. And he talks about it a bit like a, a paint shaker. Now, I, I found that hard to understand myself. But what he said was, he says that the, the fractions of time and space wobble almost like a mirage being shaken when they're actually using dimensional travel. And he reckons that if he had turned the corner maybe a second later, he wouldn't have encountered this being. He wouldn't have encountered anything because he was probably trying to get away. He was probably trying to use his, his obelisk to, to go back into the dimension that he'd come from. And a dog had literally grabbed him by the arm and the obelisk had come off and the creature couldn't escape. So anyway, that's now he's got the alien wrapped up in his solar blanket. He's got the obelisk alongside of him and he starts to walk. He, he said the, the alien only weighed about 60 pounds and the obelisk was actually examined and it probably only two or three ounces so he's walking and he's walking. He's not really knowing what to do. He's in a daze. And before he realizes it, he's back to his Jeep. Remember, his dog has been killed. That's gone. And he's actually back at the Jeep with this alien wrapped in this blanket with this obelisk device next to him and thinking, what do I do now? So pops the things in the car, puts it in the back of his Jeep and drives home. Now, in his, in his house, he's got one of these through garages, you know, the doors that you actually drive into the garage and you can get into the house. And in the house, there's, a, there's all the mod cons and everything, but the garage, there's a chest freezer. So he's thinking, I know what to do now. I can actually put this body in the freezer it's gonna, it's gonna keep it. It's not gonna deteriorate, and I can go and get help. I'm gonna talk to my friends and and bring some help in to actually help me to do what I need to do here. So that's his plan. So he pops this alien into this deep freeze, but he he calls a coffin, and and calls one of his friends up to come and have a look at this alien body. So. That's where the scene is. He's now at home. He's got this alien body in a chest freezer, and he's got this obelisk, which he describes as this diamond-shaped device with him. So he's got an alien, an alien artifact, and also he's got the evidence to back up his story. You are listening to... The Paranormal Podcast, Twisted and Misunderstood by Alison and Dominic Zenden. I just take this small moment just to remind you of our website, which is mindsight.org, M-Y-N-D-S-I-T-E dot O-R-G. My name is Dominic Zenden and been a paranormal researcher, UFO researcher and real enthusiast to anything out of the ordinary for over 38 years now. I hope you enjoy the rest of this story.
So here's Dr. John from Reed at home ringing his friends with this story. And of course, his friends are curious and they come around. And yes, there's that alien. It's just in the chest freezer, just laying there. And they see the artifact and they understand that this is going to be something big. This is, has to be really, really carefully dealt with. So what he decides to do is document everything. Takes more pictures. He takes more videos. He takes some skin, skin samples and some samples of the head of this alien. And also, he, in a really strong position, he decides that he's going to post the obelisk to people in Japan that he knows that can have a look at this thing so they can figure out what it could be, what it's made out of, and really literally keep himself safe because he realizes that this piece of equipment would prove the existence of aliens. It would prove that dimensional time shifts are possible. And there's lots of people out there who wouldn't want this to be public knowledge. So he, he's done all the things right. He's documented it. He's still got the alien in the freezer. And, of course, that's something that he finds so hard to understand what to do next. His whole situation is, what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this situation? Well, day went by into the next day, and he decides to go into his garage and just check that the alien is still there. Well, this next bit really freaked me out when I heard him talking about it. But he walked into his garage, and he could hear scratching coming from the chest freezer. Now, he thought nothing more than he might have rats in the in the garage, but he could hear it, and he could hear a slight moaning, groaning sound coming from inside. Now, you've got to remember, by this time, this, this alien's been clubbed over the head, it's been dragged, wrapped in a blanket, and shoved in a chest freezer for nearly three days. So it couldn't possibly be alive. No way. So he creeps up to the chest freezer, lifts the lid, oh, and this alien sits up and lets out the almighty scream. It really, you can, can you imagine? He just goes into one. He, he just doesn't know what to do. He's, his whole idea of what's happening in life is just out of any proportion. He just totally panics shoves the freezer lid back down as quick as he possibly can and runs. Now, he decides that this isn't the place to be right now. He needs to be living and staying somewhere else. So so he gets into his car and drives around to his friend's house, and they agree to put him up and to actually look after him during this period of time while they try and figure out what to do with this situation. So go forward another day. And Dr. Jonathan Reed has now decided that he's going to go back to his to his apartment and have a look at this alien and maybe take some more pictures. He, he really is at a loss to know what to do. So he's up driving up the road next to his house 
And outside his house, he sees three large vans and around about 60 men all coming and going in boiler suits. And they're taking the house apart. <laughs> everything, everything is just being ripped apart. And he thinks, right, um, no way. There's no way I'm going into that situation. So he just keeps driving. And he drives back to his friend's house. And, and that really where they decide, well, hang on. We've got rid of the obelisk. The alien is in the chest. And obviously these guys have taken the house apart. And we can't do anything about anything right now. They're obviously going to be looking for the doctor at some point. So he just decides to stay very quiet and very still. And they did this and they stayed away from the house for about five days. Now, what you have to remember or what you have to realize at this point is the house that he's actually living in is rented from one of his one of his friends. And he just doesn't know what's going to be the state of the house after these people have torn it all apart. Well, a week later, he goes back. And yeah, the house is absolutely, it's been ransacked. There's nothing in the house left. Everything's been taken. The chest freezer is gone. Any of the evidence that he's left there is gone. There is absolutely nothing. Even the garden's been dug over and prodded with iron bars. So they've actually taken the house apart. He says every picture, every socket, everything on walls and everything attached to anything have been taken off. There have been holes dug in the floor and in the ceiling. And it was just an absolute, well, it was just a mess. And it wasn't even his house. So he thinks, well, okay, well, I have to call the landlord. So he calls his friend and they go around together and they both witness the house, how it actually is. And they know that they can't do much about it. So they know that it has to be put back together again. And Dr. Jonathan Reed gives the landlord, his friend, the money it takes to rebuild the house. So he can do that. And apparently his friend sold the house after he'd rebuilt it. But this still doesn't answer the questions of what's happened to the alien in the chest freezer. So we've now got a mystery of who was at the house, who was taking the house apart. He's kept and he's got some of the samples that have now been tested in the laboratory by another doctor. And he's come back with the results of these not being human. He's talked about these pieces of skin, pieces of head and pieces of um, flesh being partly reptilian and being that there's a chromosome that he's never seen before. You know, he basically, this doctor confirms that these pieces of alien flesh are alien flesh and that they need to be secured away from anybody else. And that's part one of this long story about Dr. Jonathan Reed. How does he cope with this situation and what happens to him next? Where does he go and what does he do? 
the story continues after this short break. We now have this part of the story where there is really no conclusion. The obelisk that he found, Dr. Dr. Reed, has gone off to Japan. And in Japan, they're examining it and they've taken it apart. They know what it's consisting of. There's some parts of it that are very unusual. And they basically say it's like a metal and plant-based structure. So it's the best way they could describe it is that there's metal and there's silicone and there's areas of it that have been built around a plant-based structure. And they're not really too sure about what it is and how it is, you know, apart from that this alien would have used it to shift between dimensions. The, the bit that is quite interesting is that there's elements in there that we've never, ever known about on this planet. And there's elements we have known, you know, some of it's made from gold, some of it's from aluminium, some of it has actually got alloys that are, are very new to us. And so the most interesting part of the obelisk that the Japanese people have actually seen is the lettering. It's got some hieroglyphics around the side of it. And one of these um, letters, one of these forms of writing, looks like it's been documented already from Roswell, from China, and from a place in Peru where they've actually had artifacts and they've seen this scripture writing before. And the symbol is actually the letter R. It's also representative of the travel and a door. So they've actually seen it in context. The rest of the lettering, the holographics, aren't really, we don't know what they are. We have no idea what they are. But apparently this, this obelisk is something that continues to be examined, even to this day. Dr. Jonathan Reed doesn't know where it is, because if he did, he would be in danger. But he knows that there's a group of people that are protecting it, that if he wants to find it, if he wants to get it and actually display it, he could do it. But you'd have to go through other people first. So it's a bit like a combination to a lock. It, so many people know so many people who knows that maybe down the line somewhere, it's somewhere. But no one knows for definite. But the photographs and the actual pictures of this obelisk that have been documented are good enough proof to show that it is existed. So that's gone to Japan and that's somewhere now in, in safe keeping. And Dr. Jonathan Reed is now suffering through the intimidation of people that don't really want him around. You know, he's had... A lot of his friends have been intimidated too. Two or three, well, three of them have been have died under mysterious circumstances. And he reckons that the reason he wants to tell his story right now is so the people that have helped him haven't died in vain. They haven't just um, done what they did for no particular reason. And I like to think, well, why would he tell such a 
fascinating long story he didn't make any money out of it he hasn't actually gone public apart from talking to a few people and he doesn't really know what really happened he, he can explain what he thinks has happened but he doesn't know and to this day he doesn't know where the body the chest freezer or anything that actually happened to him where all the documentation some of the photographs have been stolen and yeah everything is a bit of a mess to to, to say the least but there's was one situation where he did find that he was um relaxing a little bit and he'd come away from the thought of all this happening and so he decided one day to just start to go back to his normal life and he was just walking down to buy a paper and to read his paper and this guy in a jogging suit pushed him up against a, a car and put a gun into his chest well <laughs> that's pretty scary stuff isn't it when someone that's just jogging past suddenly pushes you up against the car and sticks a what he said was a nine millimeter revolver into his into his chest he defended himself he pushed the gun up but it went off and shot him in the shoulder so somebody doesn't want him around somebody wants him eliminated from talking about anything that happened in the woods that day and he realizes that there's not really too much he can do if they don't want him alive and this this comes from many many situations that have occurred around him he survived the shooting he's he's still alive as far as as far as it's actually known and also the fact that he's now beginning to go public and talking about this story is is going to be a protection for him because once the story's out it really is out it doesn't really make too much difference from that point of view now some of you might say this is a fascinating story it's got lots of fascinating things going on in it but it's purely fictitious and that is a point of view but what i would ask you to consider is what did dr jonathan reed have to gain from talking about something that happened to him on a random event again as he said he could have turned that corner a second later and that time shifting alien would have been not been there he wouldn't have come across him and his life would have been just running his his practice his medical practice so this is a man that was in the wrong place at the wrong time doing things that were very ordinary for him to do i don't think he invited this i don't think he he sought to actually make publicity from it he certainly doesn't really know what to do in this situation apart from being pretty damn scared of the people that are are looking or hunting or trying to figure out what to do next and in the past these sort of stories are are great stories but they are they're looked upon as being fantasies or being stories that can be discredited by lots of information i think i i like you to make up your own minds what you think of dr jonathan reed's story you can actually also check him out 
if you go onto YouTube, there's there's plenty of footage on YouTube. If you just pop in Jonathan Reed, Dr. Jonathan Reed, into YouTube, you can you can see other people talking about this story, probably in a far more articulate way than me. But there is so much here that needs to be examined. And I think that you may find this could lead you to a little search, a little internet search, just to find out everything you need to find out and maybe you know, unearth the pictures of the obelisk, look at some of the evidence that Dr. Jonathan Reed has actually presented. And that's where I like to draw it to your attention. And if you've been interested in this, my name is Dominic Zenden, and I'm doing this for Twisted and Misunderstood, the Paranormal Podcast.